This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're continuing our sermon series called Path to Victory. It's all about how we can continue to grow spiritually. You know, don't follow the trends of the world, but actually grow spiritually, grow closer to God. And, and the first sermon was on the importance of gathering in worship. And then last week, we introduced this idea of how we need smaller groups, how we need other Christians in our life. And that'll be, again, the focus for today, the importance of groups. And I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, where it talks about the importance of meeting together. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And now the verse that I'll be focusing mostly on. And let us consider how we may Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we gathered here to hear your word. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us that we would see your word, receive your word, believe your word, and this would all be done by the power of your Holy Spirit so that your word would, would shape and form us. And don't let anything that I'm doing get in the way of your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. How do we become better people? How do you become a better person. Maybe you've been watching online for a few weeks and became a Christian and you've been watching these sermons or maybe coming here in person and you've heard a couple sermons and you would hope that by now you would be a different person. But you still struggle with anger. You still struggle with anxiety. You're still afraid and you thought you'd be farther along by now. Maybe you've been listening to sermons for years, for decades and you still struggle with the same temptations, the same issues, you feel spiritually stuck. You don't feel like you're making the progress that you thought you'd be making. Well, maybe a sermon is not enough. Maybe just listening to a sermon once a month or every week, that 20 minutes, maybe that's not enough for your spiritual growth. Maybe we need something more. We've been continuing our sermon series called Path to Victory. And we want to see a path of spiritual growth in our life. We want us to to grow stronger in our faith. We don't want to be weaker. We want to be different people today than we were yesterday. And so we've been looking at the five things that the early Christian church did to become spiritually resilient to change. And the first thing that they did was they gathered. And Pastor Bill preached on that, the importance of gathering like we're doing today. But that's not enough. 
The early Christians also knew each other, were in smaller groups. They, they were known by each other and encouraged one another. They also, that, that third symbol up there, they, they grew, they were in their Bibles, they, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They also gave generously, and then they followed what Jesus said about going, about doing evangelism. And so if you're not seeing the spiritual growth in your life, maybe gathering is not enough, just gathering. That's only one out of the five. And so today we want to continue to talk about groups, the importance of knowing each other, being gathered in smaller groups of Christians so that we can encourage one another. And last week I brought Legos out and I said groups um, really reveal who we were designed to be. We were designed like Legos to be connected to one another. And one of the things about the pandemic is that we're not connecting with one another and we we need to find ways to connect with one another because we were designed to know one another and to be known. And then this week, I want to talk about the importance, not just of connection, but groups for spiritual growth. And so the question I want to answer today is, how do groups strengthen my faith? How do groups lead me to grow? And answer that question, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 10. And Hebrews is a very interesting book. It's one of the most unique books in the New Testament because it's one of the few books in the New Testament that we don't know who the author was. We don't know who wrote this book, and so we don't know exactly what the context is, but we can make a few guesses. That as you read through the book of Hebrews, the letter is definitely written to Jewish Christians. And Jewish Christians were especially uh, struggling because when they left their Jewish faith and became Christians, now all of a sudden they were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. Uh, The Jewish religion, the Jewish people were sanctioned by the Roman Empire. They were, uh, you know, they, they were allowed to practice their Jewish faith. But once they crossed that line and became Christians, now they were under the radar of the Roman Empire and they were susceptible to persecution. And so it seems like many Jewish Christians were just sliding back into Judaism and, and they were sliding away from Christianity. And so this whole letter, the letter to the Hebrews is a letter to encourage them. Don't give up. Don't slide away from your faith. Continue to grow. Continue on the path to victory. Now, to understand a little bit of of what he's saying here in this opening verses, we need to know something about how the Jewish people had been worshiping for over 1,400 years. Uh, 1,400 years before Jesus, Moses led God's people out of Egyptian slavery. And he led them out of Egyptian slavery, and they went up Uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai where he got the Ten Commandments, but he also got the blueprints for the tabernacle. And so God told Moses to build a tabernacle. It was a tent in the middle of the Israelites where where they were living in the wilderness. And this tent had two compartments or two rooms. One room was called the holy place. And in it, they had furniture and decorations that kind of resembled the Garden of Eden. And the priests were allowed to go into that room to be close to God. Then there was a thick curtain. And on the other side of the thick curtain was the most holy place. And that's where the ark was. You know, from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? That box, that was behind the curtain there. And nobody was allowed to go in there except for the high priest and only once a year. And so this whole thing was designed to give a message, to teach the Israelites, God is holy and we're not. And because of our sins, we can't go into God's presence. 
except if something was done, if somebody did something about that. And the writer here is saying, God did something about that. He says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we can go into the holy place now. We can waltz into God's presence. We can go into God's presence now. Why? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. You see, the only time anyone could go into the most holy place was on the day of atonement and they could only go in there with blood, the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Well, the writer to the Hebrews is saying Jesus was that lamb. And now because of that, we can go behind the curtain. We can go into the presence of God. Why? Because also since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, Jesus is that high priest and he ushers us into the presence of God. Now, maybe that whole idea of how the Jews used to worship uh, maybe just goes over our head. Maybe it doesn't really connect with us. We, we didn't grow up around a tabernacle or a temple for most of us. And so maybe I can explain it this way. The story is told that during the Civil War, there was an army soldier for the, who fought for the North who lost all of his brothers in the Civil War. And he heard that his mother was watching the farm all by herself. And so he went to the White House to speak with President Lincoln. And in those days, you could get pretty close to President Lincoln. He, would, he went to the White House to, to ask President Lincoln to relieve him of his duty so that he could go home and take care of his mother. Well, he went to the White House, but they said, President Lincoln is too busy. You cannot come in. He doesn't have time for you. You can't speak with the president. And so dejected and depressed that his plan wasn't working out, he walked away and was outside of the White House, you know, discouraged. And a young boy came up to him and said, what's wrong? And he explained to him and said, you know, I wanted to speak with the president. I have this situation. I wanted him to resolve it. And the young boy said, follow me. The boy walked right up to the doors of the White House and walked right through all of the officers and walked right in. The young boy walked right through the, the halls of the White House and nobody stopped him. The young boy actually walked right up to the room where President Lincoln was meeting with his officials and walked right into the room, right up to President Lincoln, and he said, Hey, Dad, this man wants to talk to you. That's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that Jesus guides us, leads us. We, we hold his hand and he waltzes us into the presence of the creator of the universe. And that creator is not angry with us anymore. And that creator listens to our prayers and responds to every one of them. Maybe not exactly how we want or in the time we wanted, but he listens to everything we say because we are children of God. We're no longer slaves to fear, right? We are children of God. And, and through Jesus, we can walk into his presence. And so the writer to the Hebrews is trying to encourage us. If that's true, since that's true, since it's true that we're Christians, since it's true that we're children of God, since it's true that we got access to, the, to God and his presence, then now there's a call to action. Now we have a responsibility. The call to action to not be who we were yesterday, to grow spiritually. In fact, I'm going to jump down to verse 24. He says, and let's 
consider. Let's think about something. Let's think about how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Because we now have access to God, because um, that curtain has been torn and we are God's children, let's not be who we were yesterday. Let's not be who we were yesterday. There's a call to action to be somebody different, to be different than we were in the past, to be people of love and good deeds. But how do you do that? How do you become people of love and good deeds? Well, the writer explains how you don't do that. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. It seems like in the first century, um, there was already a group of people who stopped meeting together. Now, in the first century, when the Christian church started, they mostly gathered in homes, in small groups. They gathered together, and actually we have records of this. We can go into the, the catacombs or these different rooms. These, we can see different markings from archaeology. We can see the, the little homes that they would gather in the early Christian church. Well, it seems like these Jewish Christians were already stopped these gatherings when they would gather together. And maybe it was apathy, but probably it was out of fear. Because when they would gather in these small group gatherings, now they would be a target for the Roman Empire and a target for persecution. And so they stopped gathering, but that also meant they stopped growing. And so they're encouraging them to continue to meet together in these smaller groups. And that's what I want to encourage us to do also. You know, we gather as a larger church here, but not many of us know each other at a deeper level. But we need each other. We need each other if we're going to grow. And so I really want to talk about the importance of gathering in smaller groups. Smaller groups. And he gives us two reasons why we want to gather in smaller groups. He says to spur one another on and to encourage one another. Spur one another is kind of an aggressive term. It means to almost, you know, kind of poke each other, provoke each other, challenge each other. And I've seen that happen in my own small group. We have a small group that meets in our home. We even met over the summer, but we'll be starting up again October 4th. And we gather together in our home for a meal with other Christians, other people from our church here. And it's really easy for me to preach from the stage on evangelism, on loving my neighbor, on all these different things. But when I gather with those people in our home, I actually have to put it into practice. They're holding me accountable. They're encouraging me. They're, they're, they're spurring me on to actually do what I preach. And the other reason we want to gather is for encouragement. It says, and encouraging one another. In my previous congregation, we really didn't have uh, people who gathered in groups much. And so we started that ministry where people, for the first time, were getting to know each other, gathering together. And this woman, wonderful woman, Donna Timeson, she had been a lifelong Christian. Uh, she was into her uh, mid-70s. And, and, and she said, well, I'll try this group thing. Let's gather together in these groups. Well, on her way to her group... She got a phone call from her doctor and the results came in. She has cancer. She had cancer. And she was tempted to, to turn around and go back home, but she said, you know what? I was going to keep going to my group. And so she went into the group. She told the group, I got cancer. And the group gathered around her and prayed for her and encouraged one another. Well, a few months later, found out that 
that she had to go to the hospital. It was getting worse. And so she went to the hospital. And before I even knew she was in the hospital, and usually in a smaller church, the pastor's the first one to know. But before I even knew that she was in the hospital, that small group went to the hospital to encourage her and be with her and to be her family in Christ. And then when I preached at Donna's funeral, there was her small group at her funeral encouraging the family. That's the power of small groups. And so to answer our original question, how do life groups strengthen our faith? Life groups form us into faithful followers of Jesus. Life groups form us into faithful followers of Jesus. Last week, I, I brought Legos and said we need groups to, to, because we were made to connect with one another. This week, uh, I brought Play-Doh. Because we need each other to spur one another on, to form each other, to hold each other accountable, to encourage one another. And when we gather together, we encourage one another. We form each other. We form new habits. You know, I can listen to a sermon, but not put in practice. But when we gather together, we form each other. It's the difference, like if you want to get healthier, uh, listening to a TED talk on how to lose weight or going to a Weight Watchers meeting where they help you and encourage you and form you, right? It's the difference between maybe reading a book on how to get over an addiction and then going to an AA meeting where you go to an AA meeting and they form you, encourage you, and hold you accountable. It's different listening to a sermon, which as good as that is, and gathering together with a few other Christians to say, let's hold each other accountable. Let's put this into practice. Let's be different people. Let's not just say one thing and do another. Let's form each other into faithful followers of Jesus. And so I want to make a bold ask because I see this in the early Christian church and I think this is super important. Based on God's word today to, to encourage you to connect to a life group. To find some life group. I know some of you are in the men's mentoring. Some of you are in the women's mentoring. Some of you uh, are, are in different serving groups, but to consider joining a life group so that you would have other Christians, and most of us don't have any other Christians that can pray with us, encourage us. And what's so great is there's group that meet on Zoom if you have little kids at home or if you live farther away. There's groups that meet in person, but ways that we can encourage one another, love one another, and build each other up. Now, why is this so important? Because the writer of the Hebrews says, Keep meeting together and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the first century, it looked like the last day was about to happen any time. You know, the Roman Empire was persecuting the Christians. Uh, everything was spinning out of control. And so they were convinced Jesus is coming back today. And maybe that's how we feel right now, right? It feels like today is the last day. It feels like these are the last days. And we need each other to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I began this sermon with uh, asking the question, how do we become better people? How do we actually change? How do we become better people? And it's not just through education, it's through formation. It's as we form one another. But maybe a better question is not how do we become better people, but how do we make each other better people? How do we make each other better people? Because here's the fact Maybe you think, I don't need life group because I'm doing fine, but someone else here might need you. I know we have 
uh, Christians in our church who grew up in the Christian church and have tons of experience. And you might be able to help that person in the addiction, in the struggling family, in the struggling marriage, as you give your advice and your encouragement as you build one another up. So I want to encourage you. My wife said this, uh, she's, she signed up for the women's mentoring and she said, you know, I was really thinking about women's mentoring. I was always thinking, you know, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? But then she said, everything changed when I started saying, what actually could I offer to other people? How could I encourage other people? And that's what this is all about. Let's not give up meeting together. Let's consider joining a life group or some other group of Christians that we can encourage one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as a larger group here. But also, Lord God, we need each other. So put Christians in our life and put us in the life of other people that we could spur one another on, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would become better people, that we would be different today than we were yesterday. Lord God, we're asking this with boldness. We're coming into your presence because Jesus, your son, has allowed us to be welcomed into your presence. And so we make this bold ask, would you put people in our lives and would you use us so that we would all become more and more like you? In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.